All right, let's get started. All right? Number one, God is sovereign creator of all things. Sovereign creator of all things. That's right. Number two, God created people for his glory. Very good. Number three, God is holy and righteous. Number four, Man is sinful. Man is sinful. You hear a lot of answers from this side of the room. Not so many. So humble. So humble of you guys. You know, it? Who's the better servant? The one who serves or the one who serves the server by allowing himself to be served? You know? Hey. It makes sense in here. Uh, number four. Carrie? Man is sinful. Yay! There we go. Number five. God is... Just and right right to punish sin. That's right. Number six. God is just and right to punish sin. God is just and right to punish sin. All right. Number seven. Oh, sorry. Number six. God is merciful. He is kind to sinners. That's right. The further we get away from each of these points, and the more blanks we put in. So, uh, number seven, Jesus is God's holy and righteous Son. Right? You see the themes. See the themes repeated here. All right. Number eight, God put the punishment of sinners. On Jesus, so that His righteousness might be put on them. That's right. Matt's not pleased with this. Hey, hey! Well done. Well done. Well done. All right. So, we have two points left, and we're going to finish them off tonight. The last thread of the gospel. So here we here we are now. So we we've talked about most of the content of the gospel which now leaves us with a choice right there is a there this is a gospel that must be responded to so what does what does the bible then say about how we should respond to the gospel okay so that gives us point number nine god offers the free gift of salvation to those who repent and trust in jesus repent and trust Okay? We'll talk about why I use the word trust and not the word believe. We'll talk about that in a second. So I, I hate to complain, but can we have smaller lines? Can we have smaller lines? <laughs> hey, look. Look, hey. hey. I sit there with the space bar and I spell out the word and then I give an extra space. So... You know, if, if that's not enough for you. If anything, I'm trying to help you because that means if you're writing smaller, then you're probably writing faster, which means that we get to move a little faster. And, boy, you hear me making up stuff? Goodness gracious. All right, so, so God offers the free gift of salvation to those who repent. And trust in Jesus. Let's let's look at Romans six twenty three. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but we only talked about the first half, right? For the wages of sin is death, death right? And we talked about how death is wages according to the gospel, right? It's something that we earn. 
So if there's anything that we earn in this life, it's death. And not just physical death, but eternal death, right? We talked about how God's just and right punishment for sin is eternal death. Suffering under God's righteous burning wrath in hell forever. So again, the the wages of sin we earn by our sinning is death, but the free gift or the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We'll talk more about what that word eternal life means toward the end. Um, but you see the, the point there. God offers the free gift to salvation. Uh, let's look at John three 16. We've been waiting for this one, right? Surely when we talk about the gospel, we're going to talk about John three sixteen. but we're tacking on verse 17 as well. Okay? So someone read for me. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he Right, that the world through him might be saved. Um, so when somebody says, Jesus never said that he was the only way. I don't think that's what the Bible says. Um, Alright, so we see there John three sixteen and 17. Uh, let's look at Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Right. And again, this is exclusive, right? Only for those who repent and believe or repent and trust in Jesus. Jesus alone. John 14, 6. I didn't write it in, but it's, but it's certainly true. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All right? Um, but again, this is, this, is, um, this is not just something that we, that we just decide we're going to do. It's something that's done as a gift. It's a gift. It's, it has to be a gift. Right? Because we, because of our sinfulness, because we are sinful by act, attitude, and nature, we cannot earn righteousness before God. It's a zero-sum game. It's all or nothing. And if once, you're, once you have nothing, nothing is all you're going to have unless someone gives you a righteousness that is, that is not yours. And so that's what we see here in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Who can read that for me? For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should bear. That's right. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, talking both about the grace and the faith, are not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Right? So we have nothing to boast in except... The kindness and grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, but what we're talking about here, this is the good news of the gospel. And as we said, we have two choices here. All right, this is where it should start sounding like, if you're familiar with the gospel track, Two Ways to Live, which we're going to talk about in a few weeks, um, that we have two options. Number one, continue in our sin and rebellion. I think that's there in your notes. Continue in our sin and rebellion. Right, small. There you go. Hey. continue writing small as you think about the option to continue in our sin and rebellion. The idea here is I can't look back there anymore. I'm going to start start laughing. not crying. Um, It's been a long day, friends. Um, I was thinking, where was I going? Yes. So, those who respond in this way 
Those who respond in this way will face God's judgment and wrath. And I want you to see this. John, this is the same chapter we were just talking about with, for God so loved the world, right? John 3, though, verse 36. Someone read that for me. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Abides on him. This means to stay lastingly, long, not longly, but lastingly continuing to stay, right? Somebody says, well, what about the innocent person in, in that faraway place that's never heard the gospel? Will they go to, will they go to hell too? Well, no, that innocent person over there somewhere won't go to hell. But the problem is that innocent person doesn't exist, right? That's a fabrication. That's something, that's a hypothetical straw man that we make up to be able to win an argument. There is no such thing as an innocent person. Not in a Genesis 3 world, right? The only person that was ever righteous was Jesus, right? Adam and Eve were innocent before they fell, but that's over now. And so every person that, as we talked about when we talked about man and sin, every person that descends from Adam and Eve is born sinful by nature and will therefore according to their nature, even freely making decisions that are consistent with that nature. Does that make sense? If your nature is sinful, all you can do is act sinfully. What about the good things that people do? The problem with that is we, we can do outwardly seeming good things but from a heart that is sinful and desiring to, to exalt self or desiring to exalt anything else other than the God of the Bible. Because what is evil? Evil is anything that is against God or that seeks to supplant God just like Adam and Eve when they bought the lie from Satan in the garden. Because what was the root of the sin in the garden? To be like God. And knowing, which means really to determine for myself what is good and what is evil. Seeking to replace God. So when we think about it and we understand it biblically then, there is no such thing as a righteous person apart from those that have been justified by Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Alright, so again, it says those who... Uh, who do not believe in the son, uh, believe the Son, do not trust the Son, shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on them. So when we see that, nobody goes to hell just because they heard the gospel and they rejected Jesus. They continue on that track because they hear the gospel and reject Jesus. But everyone who goes to hell goes to hell because they have, re- they have rejected God as king by sinning. Does that make sense? Okay. So, John 3.36, let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3-6. through I'll read that one. It says, uh, Paul's writing here and he says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, those whose minds the God of this age, that's Satan, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord. And ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is God, this is the opposite of the verse that we just read before, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who is 
uh, shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So if, if someone is sinful by nature, the only way that they can tr- that they can choose to trust in Christ is if God intervenes. Does that make sense? If we are sinful by nature, then our only option is to sin and rebel against God. God must intervene. And so that's what we see here even in 2 Corinthians 4. Alright, so again, we see these two options. One, to continue in sin and rebellion. Secondly, submit to Christ as King by repentance and faith. Submit to Christ as King by repentance and faith. Alright, so let's look at Mark chapter 1, verse 15. This is Jesus uh, as He is beginning His ministry here. Mark 1, 15. Who can read that for me? In saying the premise of the Lord, the King of God is the King. Repent and believe in the gospel. Amen. So, this is Jesus' message. He says this again and again. Uh, Repent and believe the gospel. Why? Because the The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Why? Because the king is here. The king has come, therefore the kingdom is being inaugurated here in your midst. Repent, therefore, and believe the gospel. Um, Let's look, let's skip down to um, the next one. Uh, Those who respond this way will receive forgiveness and eternal life. We'll come back to Romans 10, 9, and 10 in a minute. So, This repentance and faith, right, that we just heard here, repent and believe the gospel, uh, we can see this clearly in the parable of the treasure. The parable of the treasure. This is one of our memory verses, right? Matthew 13, 44. Does anybody remember that verse? By any chance? Anybody? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure, hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So, And you know how I memorized that? Because it was our memory verse of the month. I didn't know it before, right? So that's the goal is that we, that we learn these verses together and they do serve us. They serve us well by reminding us of what's good, right, and true. So... Again, we see that in Matthew uh, 13, 44 there. The king is teaching here about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so I want you to think about this. What is the treasure that was hidden in the field? If, this is, if Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like this, well, what is the treasure? What makes the kingdom of God valuable? Right. Whose kingdom is it? It's Jesus' kingdom, right? The king is what makes the kingdom valuable. So, the treasure then is King Jesus. That's there in your notes. The treasure is King Jesus. We're going to talk about that during our application time a little bit. Um, So, the king is what makes this valuable. Only those that respond in saving faith then gain entrance to the kingdom. Alright, so then the question is, what then is saving faith? Because we can have faith in a lot of things, right? We can have faith in people, we can have faith in our favorite sports team. Some years that pans out for us, like Georgia. Some years it doesn't, like the last 40 years for Georgia. Uh, so you, we, we see that, again, we can put faith in a lot of things, but is that what God's talking about when it comes to 
Saving faith? No. What is saving faith then? Two, two, two parts of that. We've already, we've already heard them tonight. First, to repent. To repent. To repent means to turn from our sin. From our sin and rebellion against God. And there's something that's even implied in that that we have to talk about. Because I'm a big fan of replacement here. Right? It's not just turning from this sin to whatever else I think is good. It's turning from my sin and rebellion against God to God. Okay? So you see that there in your notes? Uh, repentance means to turn from our sin and rebellion against God and turn to God. Turn to God. This is what Paul is saying here as he's talking to the Ephesian leaders and pastors in Acts chapter 20. He says, remember how I kept back nothing that was helpful for you, anything that was profitable for you, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance, what? Toward God. Right? Not just repentance from sin, but repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So think back about the parable about the treasure. We abandon everything else like the man did because we see by God's grace our eyes are opened and we see that this kingdom is of surpassing value. That there is nothing more valuable than Jesus Christ. Alright, so we see repentance. And we talk about saving faith. What's the other part? It is faith. Or, it's English verb form, I would say, to trust. Okay? Believe. Believe is a good word. But I feel like believe doesn't quite capture everything that the word faith involves in a verb form. Does that make sense? So... Again, so to faith or trust means to place your faith and your hope in who Jesus is and what he has done. Right? That Jesus is everything that the Bible says he is. And that he has done everything the Bible says he's done. So when we get to 1 Corinthians 15 and that Paul reminds the Corinthian church of the gospel and he says, I remind you of the gospel. He says that that Christ is died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. So that's shorthand for basically let, in the was the in the Inigo Montoya thing like let me explain. No, there's too much. Let me sum up. Right? This is this is what this is what Paul is saying here in accordance with the scriptures, right? Then he was buried and then he raised he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. All right? So this is what it is. Placing our faith in who Jesus is and what he's done. Faith is believing that the treasure and um, that the that the treasure and not this world that we leave behind will satisfy forever. That it's Jesus, not anything else. Now Jesus plus anything else is nothing. All right. And so I just want to I want to show you this. Can we talk about why why not say believe, Justin? Believe can be a good word. But when we're talking specifically about saving faith, I want to use as clear words as possible when I'm talking about the gospel. Alright? So that's why I use the word trust. And so the, because the idea here is that faith 
in the Greek is actually this word pistis. And I see that you see that there in your, in your notes, right? This word pistis, pistos, uh, pistuo, right? These are all different forms of the same word. So this word that we use, trust, there, in, in Greek, it actually has a noun form and a verb form. We don't have a verb form of faith. I can't say I'm faith in Jesus Christ, right? That doesn't make sense when we talk about the gospel. And so I would say that the better word here, the clearer word, right, is the word trust. And again, we, we talk about what does it mean to, to, to trust in Jesus? It means to rest everything that I am on him. That I'm not relying on anything else. Kirk Cameron talks about that he's like you, like the, the parachute you put on before you jump out of the plane. Right? You're completely trusting in that parachute to save you. Right? And that's, and that's exactly uh, not for recreational purposes. Right? That's where the illustration fails. But this is, this is exactly what, what we see here with the gospel. That we completely trust that Jesus will carry us. That he will save us. All right? Repentance and faith... Now, as we say this, you might say, well, man, that sounds a lot like works. You're doing things. I'm believing or I'm trusting. I'm uh, turning from my sin. That sounds a lot like works-based salvation, Justin. Well, they're not. Why? Because they're not works in of themselves for the purpose of meriting favor with God. Does that make sense? When When we talk about works, we're not just saying doing things. But we're talking about doing things with the intent of gaining favor with God. And when we think about it that way, there's nothing we can do that gains favor with God. Right? So repenting and believing, if they didn't gain us favor with God, then we have nothing. But what we see here is that repenting and trusting, they are a response to the good news of the gospel. That the good news that Jesus has gained victory over death for us. So what we're doing then is responding to the good news that Jesus has already been victorious on our behalf. So then we trust in who He is and what He's done. Alright? The Scriptures teach that salvation is not earned by good works. Instead, it's received by grace through faith in Christ. We see that there in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We, we already read that, didn't we? Yes, yes thank you. Um, so this is the gospel that gives new life and salvation. But I want you to see this. This is not just the way to God. Or somebody, somebody once said that this is not just the ABCs of being a Christian. It's the A through Z. Right? It's not just the way to God. It's the way of God. And so that leads us to our last point of the gospel. Those who trust in Jesus will live to please Him. Those who trust in Jesus will live to please Him and will receive the promise of eternal life. They will receive the promise of eternal life. And what is eternal life? Enjoying God forever in heaven. Enjoying God forever in heaven. Each and every day then, We live by the power of the gospel. This is how we go about our day as a Christian. In Christ, then, we have died 
This is another blank there in your notes. We have died to the power of sin, but we are made alive to a new and God-centered life. So in Christ, we have died to the power of sin, but been made alive to a new God-centered life. Let's see if we can look at some scriptures that help us fill in some gaps here. John 11, verse 25. Somebody read that for me. Resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he die, yet shall he. Alright, so we're gonna see, we're gonna I want to just kind of seed this here in your mind, and we're gonna we're gonna come back to this a couple of times. Uh, or at least some of these ideas a couple of times. So Jesus says, I again, I am the resurrection of life, who believes in me, though he die, even so he will live. So the idea here is that in Christ, the moment you trust in Christ, you died. To sin. Okay? So that dying once in Christ to sin, then physical death is robbed of its sting for you. And that's what Jesus is talking about here when he says, though he may die, yet he will live. Right? Because the sting of death is sin. We'll talk about that too. Uh, let's look at um, ooh, Romans 6. We don't have time for that tonight. What a beautiful passage though. Romans 6 verses 5 through 11. Uh, really unpacks this whole section uh, here really beautifully. We'll, we'll keep on going, though. The good thing about the Bible is that it, when it says things like this, it doesn't just say it one place in a corner. It says it everywhere. So re- let's look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ Jesus, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is one of my favorite verses. I love this verse. So here's the, it's the same idea, right? That in Christ, I've been crucified. I am now dead to sin. I am now dead to the, does does that mean I never sin again? No. But it means that now I am dead to to the enslaving power of sin. Now, sin is not the dominating thing in, in, in my nature anymore. Right now, I have the opportunity to do something I've never done before. I can now struggle against sin. So we talk about struggling as if it's, as if it's an automatic defeat, right? Well, you know, brother, I'm really struggling with this and that. Which, the, the more that I've thought about it, the more I realize, praise God, you're struggling. It means that there's a war being fought, right? Before, we were walking along, just like Paul says in Ephesians 2. We were... We were walking along, of course, uh, according to the, the course of the set by the prince of the power of the air, according to Satan. We were just trudging along with all the sons of disobedience. That was our life. There was no fight there. Why? Because we were dead in our sin. But now, praise God, we are dead to sin. Sin no longer has mastery over us. And so now we can do the thing that John, John Owen tells us to put sin to death. Right? That's that's beautiful. That's amazing. And that's something that is only available to us in Christ. Praise God. Alright, so again we see this, right? No longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now the life that I live in the flesh, I live by what? By faith. 
by this saving faith. My life now is a constant cycle of faith, sorry, repentance and faith. Every day, all day, repentance and faith. Every time I think I'm doing pretty good, a pretty good job, that I've got this sin thing down, then I'm reminded, wow, that sounds really prideful. And that's, that means I've probably got a fall on, on, my, on its way, right? And so again, Lord, please focus my eyes upon you. You are all that is glory, glorious. You are all that is good, all that is satisfying. Lord, focus my eyes upon you. Uh, so with that, we see the this is only possible, right? Because, and the next point says, the Holy Spirit, whom God has sealed us with, Ephesians 1 tells us, the Holy Spirit works in us. He works in us, daily conforming us to Christ's image and empowering us to obey God's commands by faith. I love this verse too. If you've You've probably heard me say this more than once. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Who wants to read that for me? Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Amen. So when it says, work out your salvation, does that mean save yourself? Does that mean do good works so that you can earn favor with God? No. It means to apply the salvation that has been given to you in Christ. And then he says to do it how? With fear and trembling. Why? Because the most amazing thing in the history of the world is happening. And the next verse tells us, For God is at work in you. And what is he doing? What is he? What kind of work is he engaging in here? He is giving you the power and the desire. He is shaping your will and your desires, so that you no longer, uh, well, you decreasingly want to do the things that serve yourself, but instead you more and more, as you behold God's image in His Word the more and more you want to glorify Him, the more and more you want your life to be wrapped around who Jesus Christ is and what He's done. That is only something that God can do. And so, he's, and so we are invited into this work, and, he said, and Paul says, work out then what God has worked in. <coughs> Isn't that good? That's, I, I, I go through that verse daily. Because... I don't know about you, friends, but I sometimes I struggle to want to do what I know God wants me to do. And isn't it good to have this promise to go back and say, God even gives me the want to. He reshapes my want to's. <coughs> so, many times a day, I, I'm, it, I need to stop and just say, Lord, help me. Help me want to do what's right and good and true. And again, all because God is at work in us. So then we have these commands, right? Things like uh, 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things of this world. right? If you love the world, then the, the love of the Father doesn't abide in you. And again, what is John talking about here in 1 John? 1 John is all about the pattern of your life, right? We see this word walk over and over again. 
So this whole book, 1 John, is all about assurance. had a conversation a few weeks ago with a, with a guy that was really struggling with assurance. And so that's the first place I go. When somebody says, I'm just not sure, how do I know? I always go back to 1 John. Is it a, is it a, a confusing book at points? Yes, because it keeps going around in circles. But what you start seeing, if you, if you get the more you read it, the more you see it, as he circles back around, you start hearing the same things. The present truth of Christ in your life. Present, uh, the present love of Christ in your life. Present spirit of Christ in your life. So the, the, the idea is that we trust in him and he works in us and he produces the fruit of the spirit. spirit. Fruit of the spirit. Um, so this is uh, there's a great uh, great resource I, that my family loves to use. It's called Slugs and Bugs. Isn't that just a wonderful sounding name? Um, but it's a it's a, a guy that he he does all kinds of silly songs, things like that. But he also does like scripture songs, like Bible verse songs. So um, actually, our our kids choir has done a couple of those songs in church, and we didn't even realize it. Uh, at Christmas time, we heard. Um, when and when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And if we are sons, then God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, crying, Abba, Father. No longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. That's a kid's song. Isn't that good? And then you know what the you know what the, the, the bridge that song is? Galatians four, four, five, six, and seven. Galatians four, four, five, six, and seven. Just repeats it again and again, so that you now have not only the, the verse, but you also know the reference for where it is. Isn't that good? There's all kinds of resources like this, by the way. We try to put that in, in, in our my church notebook every week or every month. Like what is what's our memory verse for the month? It's there. If you want the the note cards where I take away blanks, I promise they're bigger than the blanks in the book. (laughs) But note cards that help you progressively take away words and and work on memorizing so that you can store God's word in your heart. We have those things. And the first place I would say is go to the connect table. If you can't find what you need at the connect table, come talk to me. Come email me or call me or something and we'll, we'll work on it together. Because our goal is to equip you to learn these things, to equip you to make disciples. Whether it's with your family, whether it's here in the midst of our church family, or whether it's out at your workplace, and wherever it is that you're encountering people, we want to equip you toward that end. We'll keep going. Um, uh, Let's see. Uh, Jesus makes the command here. uh, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. This sounds impossible. And it is, unless the Spirit of God is working in the hearts of, of, a, of a believer. Right? Only God can do this. Only God can produce this desire to metaphorically pick up an instrument of, of torture and death and to follow Christ, wherever Christ leads, wherever He commands us to go. Right? That's... That's what it means when we sing, wherever he leads, I'll go. It's, I'm trusting that the Spirit of God is working in me, producing repentance and faith, producing the want to, to lay down my life if necessary for the glory of God. And, and that's not some like pious, 
A-track Christian kind of thing. Because there is no A-track, B-track. There's no varsity and junior varsity Christian. There is Christians and then people who don't know Christ but claim they're Christians. That's it. And so hear me. God has given us this gift. Who's he given it to? Every believer. It's yours. Praise God. So in that, then, not only can we obey what God commands, we can also endure all circumstances because Christ is sufficient for us. We can endure uh, all circumstances because Christ is sufficient for us. Uh, Philippians 4, 10 through 14. We don't have time for it tonight. This is where Philippians 4, 13 comes in, right? I can go kick a field goal for Jesus, right? But what's the context? The context is that Paul has been in incredible financial need, right? Struggling. And so the Philippians gave him, gave him uh, helped meet his needs. He says, thank you so much for, for meeting your needs. He says, at the same time, though, I want you to know that even when you can't, I've learned how to abase and how to abound. Right? I've learned how to, have, how to live when I have nothing. I've learned how to live when I have everything. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So no matter what life brings, no matter what the circumstances are around me, I'm going to be okay because of Christ. He is sufficient for me. And uh, we'll, I'm even getting down to the end there. Philippians 1, 21, or 20 through 21. Paul again talking to the Philippians and saying, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it out of this time in prison. I don't know what's going to happen. But at the same time, he says, I'm, I'm confident as always. So now, as always, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Gain. So with that, then the next point, death is gain for the Christian because death has no sting in Christ. Death has no sting in Christ. And not just because death has no sting, but but beyond death, we know that Jesus Christ is more satisfying than everything we lose when we die. That's why we can face death with joy, with hope. 1 Corinthians 15, we, we went through that, that chapter recently. I think Brother Brock helped, pre- helped us preach through that on uh, Wednesday nights. Um, so you can go back and listen to that there. But the idea, again, death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And if sin, if we have died already in Christ to sin, then there's nothing left for us to fear. Because once we die, then it's boom, heaven, awesome. That's good news. And because what awaits us is the treasure that's worth laying down everything else for. Therefore, because we've been reconciled to God and adopted by Him, we get to be His kingdom. Remember those those words? We get to be His people in His place under His rule forever. Ultimately, when Jesus comes back, He will consummate His kingdom. He will complete it, perfect it in Himself, and we will be with Him forever. And this is, this is what we see. I mean, what is eternal life? Jesus says in talking to the Father in John 17, 3, He says, this is eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Right? Psalm 1611 talks about what heaven is like. He says, 
You will show to me the path of life. Your pres- in your presence is what? Fullness of joy and pleasure forever. That's what it means to be with Jesus forever. Fullness of joy, pleasure forever. Because we consider Christ to be worth more than everything we lose when we die. Application, real quick here. Um, Talking about saving faith then. How do we weave these threads of the gospel into our daily lives? Talking about saving faith. First, let's talk about turning. Point to the forgiveness of Christ when people around you see their sin. This is timely. With everything else going on right now, people are realizing this life is not certain. Nothing is promised. Death is coming. And the gospel is glorious. And so again, when people realize that they've done terrible things, point to the forgiveness of Christ. Don't buy into this cancel culture that says, oh, they did one terrible thing. Or maybe they did tons of terrible things. No one is too far away to not be reconciled to God through the gospel. So point to the forgiveness of Christ when other people see their sin. Point to the presence of Christ when people around you come to the end of themselves. Again, when things are unsteady, things are uncertain, Christ is here and He is steady. He is sure. Trusting. Encourage people around you to see the Lordship of Christ. Encourage people around you to see the Lordship of Christ. Because again... Trusting in Jesus doesn't just mean Jesus get me out of this jam and then I go back to doing whatever I want to do. I'll throw a couple extra dollars in the offering plate. Right? That's not what this is about. Right? This is about trusting in Jesus as Lord. What does Lord mean? Owner, ruler, absolute master. So trusting in Jesus as Lord. Plead with people around you to receive the love of Christ. And how do we describe the love of Christ? Romans 5, 8, right? God has demonstrated His own love toward us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, right? So love of Christ is demonstrated in the gospel. Now, talking about eternal life, don't talk so much about temporary things. Talk about eternal things. It's a really simple, almost meme-worthy kind of situation now, but we we think about and then what, right? What's your plan? What's your plans for the weekend? Well, I'm going to go do this and that. Well, then what? You keep playing and then what? You're going to get to eternity eventually in that conversation, right? Okay? I mean, that's one way to do it, you know? What's your goal for it? What's your five-year plan? What about your 10-year plan? What about your 330-year plan? That's really dumb, Justin. I'm not going to be around for 330 years. Well, let me tell you about what's coming around. Um, Right? So, uh, talk less about temporary. Talk more about eternal. Talking about responding to Christ. Be clear. This is why words matter. Does that mean you agonize and fear and worry about words? No. But you study to show yourself approved and then you you do the next thing. Be Christ-centered. We are clear so that we can clearly point people to Jesus. Not just agreeing with truths that you're giving them. Not just embracing these statements, 
Again, this is where I, I want to be clear about that word believe. Right? I believe what the, the, what the Bible says is true, but then I trust as well. There are a lot of people that think they're going to heaven because they believe the Bible is true. That's not the same thing. right? Those are the kind of people that stayed around for a while, but then when Jesus started talking about drinking His blood and eating His flesh, they said, this is a hard teaching, and they walk away. What Jesus is after is is convinced and committed followers. The kind that say, Lord, where else will we go? You alone have the words of life. Okay? So again, not just embracing statements, but embracing a person. Embracing Jesus Christ as Lord over your life. Uh, next, not only be clear, not only be Christ-centered, be confident. Again, do we don't worry and stress and fear no, we study to show ourselves approved. And if you need help with that, I would love to help you with that. And I know people that would love to help you with that. Your, your, your preaching pastor would love to help you with that. Okay? Women, I know women that would love to do that with you. Alright? So, uh, with that, be confident. Trust the work of the Spirit. Because again, it's not about your ability to be able to argue them into heaven. If I can argue you into believing the gospel, somebody else can easily, easily argue you out. And social media is crawling with these people. Have you noticed that? (coughs) What does it say to you that John Piper's own son has millions of followers on TikTok where he deconstructs Christianity daily? Millions of followers. Does he have any proof whatsoever? No. But he's got listening ears. We're talking... 25 and under. So what what does this world need? The world needs you to engage people just in daily life, having conversations, threading these threads of the gospel into your conversations. And when God opens a door for the word, share the gospel with them. All right? Be confident and be careful. The goal is not decisions, but disciples. Be careful. Talking about hell now. Uh, Talk about God's judgment with humble fear. We've talked about this before, so we're not going to spend a lot of time here. We're 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 not trying to be fire and brimstone with people, but we do need them to understand the seriousness of the matter. Talk about God's wrath with honesty, yes, but also with care. With honesty, yes, but with care. And talking about heaven. Take every chance to talk about the hope of being with God. Does your heart delight in thinking about being with Jesus for all of eternity? If the answer is yes, choose five people around you that, that spend time around you daily. Do those people know? Do those people are those people aware that it's your delight to think about being with Christ? <laughs> and then take every chance to talk about the fact, again, not the hope, but the fact that dying is gain. Based on what we talked about tonight, you've got scripture to be able to back that up. Right? But again, the question is, do you are you trusting that dying is gain because Jesus Christ is more satisfying than anything that everything that you lose when you die? Alright? Yes, ma'am. I have a question. Sure. Page one, the gospel threads. Yes. What's number one? God. Oh. I forgot. I forgot to even talk about this. So the four, the four threads we talked about them over the last four weeks. So God, 
Man, Christ, and response. And so now, as we've gone through the, these, these four threads, we're going to start applying these threads to the way that we look at gospel presentations. So we're going to, we're going to take the next couple of weeks, and we, I'm not sure exactly how many we're going to go through, but as many as I can get my hands on, uh, I want us to look through and I want us to think about those four threads. Are they present in these gospel presentations? We are way over time. Thank you so much for being patient with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the fact that Christ is sufficient for us. And that, Lord, you have given us uh, clearly an understanding of what it means to respond with saving faith. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that lives with saving faith. That we, uh, not that we're getting saved again and again, because, Lord, you, you died once for all, and that once we are in Christ, we are in Christ for all of eternity. And we thank you for that. But, Lord, I pray that we would live by the gospel. We would live by the power of the gospel and that we would look constantly for opportunities for talking about the gospel. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.